for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Alright, a lot to get to. Matt's trip to Blacksburg with the SDSU women, what we learned from it this time. Don Plitzelite, the head coach at Minnesota. What's there for AJ? Anything? Was AJ part of the search? I, I have a little bit of a, an insight from somebody who knows about the search and oh we've got cj ham re-signing with the vikings uh augustana's new head coach you did a big long article about that if we want to we can do our our annual state tournament venue discussion which was very popular last year people really enjoyed uh if we should uh, play sdhsaa commissioners and uh and decide on what would be the best for our young student athletes in basketball and uh and i almost died in rapid city that other than that nothing much nothing much going on uh, you're giving me that look you're giving you me almost that died in rapid city so it was at terry peak uh I had, I had done the boys double a state tournament out there in rapid city i went to terry peak you, i don't know why you were surprised when i said i was a skier but I didn't I, say I was surprised, I just said I didn't know. I, well, yeah, I've lived in like Omaha, Lincoln, and Sioux Falls most of my life, so there's no real there's no real place to ski, and I don't spend a fortune to go to like Colorado for four or five days. Mm-hmm. That's really expensive, so I just don't very often. And I and finally the 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 light bulb popped on. Hey, uh, I'll spend a couple extra days out there. I'm not going to ski before I do a state tournament. If I break a leg or have a brain <laughs> hemorrhage, I can't do the games. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, and I did fine on the slopes. I only spent a day out there and it was really fun. But then the, the, the morning that I leave Tuesday morning, I knew it might snow and I knew I'm going to have to get out of there ahead of the snow. And I didn't, I didn't quite wake up in time and it is snowing and it takes me like an hour cause I'm staying at an Airbnb house and I got to clean it all up and follow their instructions and stuff like that. And I'm Why like, okay. You stay at the Alex Johnson like always. Well, I did in Rapid City for the state oh, tournament. I gotcha. But I went to Terry Peak. Gotcha. I stayed there gotcha. Sunday and right. Monday night. Yeah. Uh, stayed just a few blocks away. And uh, anyway, from the uh, from the death-defying drive just up a hill to Terry Peak, uh, and then the road back. Because uh, Terry Peak's literally a peak. It's on top of a hill. Mm-hmm. So, I've been there. And I stayed a few blocks away in a, in a little house, and uh, you have to drive uphill to Terry Peak, and then there's just this, this. It goes. And you, this, of course, have a, vi- a vehicle a Honda that's Fit. very well suited for driving in winter conditions. I, nothing but trucks around me, and as I'm, and I, uh, yes, an inch or two enough of snow. It had been snowing for an hour, and that was enough for this extreme decline. This like vertical drive down with some swerves from the top of Terry Peak down to the highway that leads out to lead the, that leads out to. Uh, I-90, oh my God. I mean, I'm driving five miles an hour, and the whole time I'm like, I've got one bald back tire. I am driving a Honda. This is not four-wheel drive. I'm going to fucking die. I, and, and at one point, I intentionally slid into a snowbank on the other side of the road because I'm like, I'm not going to make it down this hill without sl- sliding into oblivion and hitting the guardrail, and maybe I'll get paralyzed, maybe I will die, <laughs> and maybe I'm being overdramatic telling the story, but I think if you were in the car with me. Driving a Honda Fit, I don't think you uh, are. It, John, if you're going to drive a Honda Fit... <laughs> 
Well, listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. If you're going to drive a Honda Fit in South Dakota in the winter, yeah. at least get good tires, dude. Okay? Yep. Yep. I, I had, uh, had turned. Anyway. Uh, so I thought I was stuck in the snowbank and was going to call a tower. Mm -hmm. um, and then I couldn't reverse out of this angle because, like, half my car is, like, on a hill in the snow <laughs> uh, on the side of the other side of the road, opposite side. And then, and I, and I just, my instinct said, okay, well, I'll just try this. I'll, I'll, draw, I'll put it in was forward. Was Gilbert with you for this? No, nope. He had gone home. Yeah, Gilbert was out in Rapid City with me, but I, this was a little solo two-day trip at this Terry Peak. And, uh, it's about so, an unforced error, but continue. And I hit, so I went into drive, and my God, it got forward, and it got me off the side of this hill and back onto the road. And there was one guy who was behind me the whole time. Never got out of his car, but there was a guy in a truck behind me. And he must have just been watching for entertainment's sake <laughs> because he, ne he never got up to volunteer help, even when he can clearly see my car is stuck. But anyway, I get back on the road, and I'm, okay, I'm going to try this again. I'm going to go, like, literally three miles an hour down this hill until I'm at the bottom of the hill. And somehow, some way, it, the car never slid out of control. It just slowly went down. And uh, I, get to, I get to lead, I go to a gas station, and I must have looked like I had seen a ghost because people were asking me if I was okay. And I was asking them, okay, how do you get to the interstate from here? Because I had heard the interstates, I, you know, I checked the road conditions. It ain't great, but it's, it's not closed or anything. Uh, the snow has come through. And they were just like, don't drive. They said, I'm in the lead. They said, drive, to, drive down to Deadwood and then don't drive to Spearfish. Because if you drive towards Spearfish, you're going straight up. At, you're, they're like, they mm -hmm. looked at my car, like, you're not making it up that hill. Mm -hmm. Go to Sturgis. It's more of a, a flat slash downhill drive. But even the drive to Sturgis with these subtle turns, it was just like uh, something I wish on nobody. It was, uh, yeah, so that was it. I almost died or I almost got paralyzed, and I don't think I'm being dramatic. So I'm just fortunate to be here with you when all is said and done. Here we are. Well, maybe think about that little did, excursion did, when you're due for a new vehicle did, next time. <laughs> it was uh, definitely had a lot to do with the vehicle. Um, so that being said, you had the more exciting. Tr beyond that, and I, and I loved the skiing. I had not gone to a real skiing place in 19 years. I mean, uh, once every few years, my parents would take me out to Colorado to those Winter Park and Keystone places. But besides Great Bear, so I had a great day skiing, thank you, before the day before that. And uh, I love my trip to Rapid City, but you had the trip to Blacksburg with the uh, SDSU women. And uh, first of all, since we're talking uh, mishaps on vacation, are, are you here to uh, tell the NCAA they shouldn't have these uh, NCAA tournament first couple rounds in these woebegone places that take you on a couple <laughs> on some flying adventures into small airports or no okay no all right you're um okay. because i understand because i no one gives a shit about the media right the only people it really sucks for is the media and that yeah that sucks for me but i don't expect the ncaa to change what they're doing for me yeah. um it's great for the players because you know they just charter a plane yep, and they go straight to blacksburg straight, yeah go great right in there and um, and I understand why they have to do that on the women's side because if you have women's first and second round games at a neutral site, you don't know how well it's going to draw. You know, women's basketball attendance is trending upwards. Things are getting way better, but it's still you're running the risk of playing in some semi-empty gyms if you have neutral sites. The atmosphere, the environment at Virginia Tech was awesome. Uh, so it's pretty hard to look anyone in the face and say, this is stupid, they shouldn't have had it here. No, it was pretty awesome. Sucked for me having to get in and get out. Uh, but, you know, I made do. 
Um, actually, I and I can't even complain that much because every flight I had was on time and and made it. Um, that you know that's why I always bitch about flying so much is it's not the act of flying itself. It's you know the airport telling you, oh, the pl- pilot spilled coffee on his leg. He has to take the next three weeks off. Your flight's canceled. <laughs> You know that kind of fucking shit. Or, or then you, or when you do get on the plane and then you sit there on, right, right, on the runway right. for an hour. And I hour apologize plus. for the language there, but like no. I really, really hate it. And yeah. it's it's always shit like that. <laughs> I can is. handle it when it's like, oh, the weather's bad. Like, yeah, I get it. It's dangerous. <laughs> but just the absolute complete. Don't even get me started. Yeah, I know. But so anyway, I, I, was, it. I was very lucky on the way down there to get. I only had to have one connecting flight. I went from Sioux Falls to Chicago to Blacksburg. Everything went off without a hitch. Uh, or I should say to Roanoke. The thing that kind of sucked, then I had to rent a car to go from Roanoke to Blacksburg, because it's about 40 miles away. And if I told you what they were charging to rent a car in Roanoke, you would choke. Um, literally, I did when I, I told the guy, yeah, I need it for three days. And he told me how much money. I was like, come again? Like, what? Uh, but I didn't have any choice. I was 50 miles away from the arena when I landed. So, okay. It's, yeah, an Uber ride wouldn't have been any less expensive. An, an Uber from Roanoke to Blacksburg, I checked when I landed, was $150. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I guess I'll just rent a car. How much was it per day, or do you mind telling us? I don't even know exactly. Okay. But it was, it was just an insane amount. Okay. I don't even know if the bean counters from Forum Communications have seen it yet, because I haven't got an angry email yet. <laughs> um, but then the thing was, because it was so expensive, I was like, well, okay, I'll just rent it through Saturday in case the Jacks lose. You know, I don't want to have it. And, well, sure enough, they win. So then I'm like, okay. Damn them. I have to... Uh, extend my rental car for a couple of days. I'll just call them, you know, and tell them, hey, can I keep the car for two days? No one answers. <laughs> I called Enterprise Rent-A-Car <laughs> seven times within a two-hour span. Could not get an answer. I kept pushing, you know, speak to a representative, pushing that button. Yeah, no one yeah, answered. Yeah. I was like, well, I guess I have to drive back to Roanoke to re-rent this car. Was this on, a, on an this off, was day? off day in between? Okay. And so I had time. It wasn't that far. Like I said, it was about 40 miles. But so, yeah, Saturday, uh, in between games, I go to the morning press conferences, and then we're leaving, and uh, Andrew from the Brookings Register was like, hey, when you're done, you want to go you know, have a beer and watch basketball? And I was like, no, nah, I got to drive to Roanoke and back to re-rent the car that I already Unbelievable. Have. And it's funny, I get there, and I just walk up, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to bring this car back today, but I'd like to keep it for two more days. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. All right. Do you need any other? No, that's good. I was like. You guys should maybe answer your phone because I called like 17 times to save myself 80 miles of driving. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. The phone's working. <laughs> I, I was here. All right, cool. Uh, so that took two hours out of my day on Saturday. But. I'm sorry to hear that. And then getting back was a little shittier in that I had to take two connecting flights. That's the first time I've ever had to do that. I went, so I had to drive the 40 miles from Blacksburg to Roanoke, then fly from Roanoke to D.C., D.C. to Denver, and then Denver back to Sioux Falls. So it was that a makes long sense. day. Yeah. Um, but again, every flight was on time. I m- made all my connections. That's a, that's a miracle, really. Right. So as much as it sucked, I was like, hey, man, this could have been Wait, so much when worse. When you have more than one connecting flight in a day, I mean, and you're just you're, both you're, on time. And you, yeah, you're, I mean, you're just, when you do that, you're just begging. You almost have to expect, like, I'm going to miss one of my flights. Right. It's going to really right. suck. Right. Um, but that's I, what sucks about flying, if we want to yeah. act like some lame stand up comedians here, but like, it just it's gotten so bad that you like you expect failure so when they do the bare minimum you're like hey all right congratulations yeah, yeah. i mean that's good for you yeah that's yeah. just so that the bar is so low that's why i hate flying so much i mean 
I was tell who was I telling the other day? Oh, I was talking to Jimmy Rogers the other day. I was just telling him about the trip, and I was he's like, "How long is it Name to drive?" Dropper. Well, I, he was like, "How long is it to drive?" And I was like, "Like 19 hours." And I was like, "I know that because I looked." Because I was like, eh, should, should I drive to Blacksburg? If it's anything less than, like, 15, I think I'll do it. It was 19. Yeah. That was a little bit too much. There's but. a threshold there. Yeah. Um, by the way, so, I mean, there's there could be the trains, planes, and automobiles reference, but uh, the rental car experience, did you ever see the movie My Fellow Americans? I've seen it, Jack, yeah. Jack Lemon and James Gardner. Garner. Uh, there, I think there are two former presidents. One is Republican, one is Democrat. And this is the mid-90s uh, when things were a lot less divisive. When, yeah, but, Republicans and, like, and Democrats could get along. They could yeah. get along, but they could joke about each other as well, all the stereotypes about each other. Um, it was really funny, but one scene was, I mean, it's this told like these two former presidents get lo- somehow get lost somewhere, and then they lose all their handlers, and it's just them two, and they go on this cross-country trip together in a rental car. It was really re- well-written and funny, and they go, uh, these are these two men who have been living in luxury with, you know, Social Security uh-huh. for, and their own drivers. They don't even know how to drive, you know, <laughs> for 20 years. And they go, and they get they end up in this some podunk, podunk town in the middle of nowhere, and, like, the budget rental car is one of the few buildings in the town. And uh, they couldn't have casted, like, the rental car ladies better, and they were playing... Uh, Funky Town by Lips Incorporated on the <laughs> on the speakers, and uh, the only they 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 there were only two cars available, and one was like a little Yugo, like a little hatchback, mm-hmm. like my Honda Fit, and the other was like some Lincoln Continental. So that was like a big joke, like yeah, we'll uh-huh. take the Continental. Uh-huh. The Continental breaks down, and so they cut to the next scene, and they're just, these, they're these in the Yugo. Two, yeah, there's two guys <laughs> in Armani suits driving around in a Yugo. Anyway. Recommended by fellow Americans. Also uh, recommended is because, yes, every stand-up comedian that ever existed has a bit about uh, airplane flying. Dennis Miller, uh, black and white, back in the days when he was on Saturday Night Live and he was funny. Uh, just Google it sometime. YouTube it. Dennis Miller, his, like he's got about five or six minutes on flying. Not, nothing funnier <laughs> talking about flying. I believe than it. Dennis Miller, black and white. Uh, yes, another one, please. Thank you. It was, uh, uh, yeah, I'll keep that. Okay. Uh, we're going to add, yes. Uh, Sprite. Tito's Water Splash of Sprite. Okay. Yep, Perfect. yep. Um, so, okay. Well, 14 minutes in, how about those Jackrabbit women and, uh, <laughs> and what actually happened out there? Uh, I mean, I guess we should start with the Virginia Tech game because that's how it ended. Uh, and I was in Deadwood at this particular point in time, and I actually got into Deadwood after the Black Hills drive, and I knew the game was – probably 10 or 15 minutes old, and by the time I got to one of the bars in Deadwood, it, it looked like it was over. They were <laughs> down by 15 or 20 in the first half. I'm like, well, they've, got, they've, they've become overwhelmed. And uh, I hung in there for a little bit, but I mean, and I know that they jabbed back, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I read your story. Uh, it just sounds like Virginia Tech shot the lights out, and it was kind of over before it started. Yeah, I was it, – it's funny how you, you – um, you know, see things through your own lens or whatever, because after the game, uh, Virginia Tech couldn't stop talking about how bad they played in the fourth quarter, you know, in the second half. It's like, well, maybe the other team just played better, you know, but but maybe they're right. Maybe they did play worse. Uh, you know, it's always, a uh, is this team playing well? Is this other team not te- not playing well? First half, when, when Virginia Tech built a 20-point lead, were they that good? Were the Jacks not playing well? It was. It's always a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, Virginia Tech was just shooting the lights out from three. And if you're going to beat a number one seed on their home court, 
you need them to not be shooting the lights out. And they were. So that made things tough. Um, but I definitely know, you know, and the the one question I asked Maya Sellen in the post-game press conference was, are you going to come away from this, you know, feeling bad, like what might have been? Like what if we did just – because she missed a wide-open three. A couple other gals missed some wide-open threes. Peyton Burkhart late in the game had a wide-open fast-break layup. Yep. I mean, it was a middle school play. Would have cut the lead to, I think, seven or nine when they were trying to come back, and she just she just missed it. And that happens, I get it, but it can't happen when you're trying to beat a number one seat. You know, it'd be one thing to just sit here and go, man, we did absolutely everything we could. We played our asses off, and they were they were just too good. That's kind of true. The Jacks did play their asses off. And Virginia Tech's really good, and they played really good. But, man, you know, just make four or five more of those shots. You know, and we're not talking about, you know, high degree of difficulty shots. Peyton Burkhart makes that layup. Maya swishes that wide-open three-pointer. Uh, Drew Gilton had a wide-open three-pointer. I mean, just a couple of those go, and it's a totally and different these were game. All, and these were all in the fourth quarter. No, they weren't. Okay. Some of them oh, were early, spread some out of them throughout the game. Okay. Um, because they jump out to I – th I think they went up by 20, like mid – like early second quarter, they're up by like 20. And I remember tweeting something to the effect that – I mean, I can go back and find the tweet. Like, okay, it's not over, but if the Jacks are going to make this a game, they've got to get it to like – you know, 10 or 12 by halftime. They can't go into half down by 25 and expect to have a chance to win this game. And they did. They get it down to, I think they got it to 13 with like a minute and a half left in the half. And you're like, hey, this is, this is manageable. This is doable. And then right after that happened, Virginia Tech went on another little spurt, hit a three at the buzzer. They're up by 23 at halftime. And you're like, this, this, it's over. You're not going to make up a 23-point deficit against the number one seed in their home gym. And yet, they still, I don't want to say almost did, because they never got closer than nine, I think. Um, but again, you know, Peyton Burkhart makes that layup. So, you know, Haley Timmer makes a wide open three. They had a shot. I mean, they fought back to get into that game. So I'm not going to sit here and say they should have won, they could have won, that they threat. They were never really a true threat to win the game. But I do think, and this was the pointed question I asked Aaron, was, you know, do you come away from this going, yes, we're capable of beating a number one seed? And he said, oh, absolutely. And, and, he, and he can absolutely say that and not just be, you know, blowing smoke. I mean, you make a couple more of those easy shots. Again, I'm not saying, oh, if, if they'd have made that contested 25-footer, that would have – no. If you just made a wide-open layup, if you just made the front end of a one-on-one, -on -one, if you just hit a couple more wide-open three-pointers, it's a different game. I, you know, I assumed, you know, having not known how it got to about 46-23 at halftime, that – Virginia Tech had, uh, like most of these Power Five schools, more height, probably more athleticism. Starting center six six, two times. And she was ACC a player of the year. year. Yeah, yeah. And, although uh, she wasn't all that impressive. Right, and it's not, and that's not exactly the Virginia Tech did not overwhelm South Dakota State with height, athleticism. Uh, you know, they were just too big, too much, too bigger, stronger, faster as it usually goes. It was the, they they just shot the lights out early, mm -hmm. and uh, you mentioned some of the things that SDSU didn't do. The quote from AJ in your story was if you're going to beat a number one team, bottom line is you've got to have some things to go your way and you've got to have some things kind of go against them. And they shot it so well in the first half that that doesn't go our way. There you go. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, 
they, they didn't have a – I mean, I, I they did nice things to give them a chance to, like, be in striking distance. They did, I mean, you're down by 23 at Virginia Tech. You're yeah, not, like you're not going to come back and win that game. They were never a threat to win the game. Yeah, and uh, it was Maya Sellen's last game. But the game before that, the win over USC, uh, the 8-9 game against a team that did kind of have more of that, uh, certainly the length and athleticism advantage, was what you – Will uh, consider Maya Sellen's uh, individual performance that will define her career, uh, and that's because of the way she played fourth quarter and overtime. Right, 16 points yeah. in a row. Um, just what was it like to witness that? Uh, affirming, I think. You know, it's like she's already on the short list. You know, of the all-time greats, and you're in that situation going, okay, you know. You know, all the kind of sports writing cliches we always talk about, about, you know, great players stepping up in big moments and sort of writing their legacy, and that's just exactly what she did. You know, I didn't I didn't really like SDSU's chances of winning that game, even though I don't think – and that watching USC, they weren't very good. They're a terrible offensive team. They didn't look terribly well coached. No offense to their coach. She's a good coach. I just think that that's a team right now that – doesn't know what its identity is on offense, but all those players are graduating. They're going to start over. Um, they were just such a mess on offense and so undisciplined that you're watching it going, oh, if they're going to beat the Jacks, it's just going to be strictly on, you know, athleticism and just making plays because they don't look like they have any sort of plan on what they're doing. But they were so big and so athletic that I just kind of went into it going, I don't know if this is a good matchup. And then when they jump out to a 12-2 lead, it's like, yeah, this just isn't a good matchup for the Jacks. You know, they might be a better basketball team than USC, but this is just this is just a tough physical matchup. And again, this to Aaron Johnson's credit, to Maya Sellen's credit, you know, they chipped away, they came back, and they, they probably should have won the game comfortably. I mean, more than a, they, they had a couple bad calls go against them. Uh, they made a couple mistakes that let USC back into the game when they looked beat. I mean, USC almost kind of looked sort of like, eh, we're just happy to be here. We haven't been to the tournament in, you know, seven years or whatever it had been. Um, that, I think that would have been a bad loss, frankly, for SDSU. They were definitely better than that team. Um, but again, when you're in a situation like that, we're the better team. This is a big game, NCAA tournament. We're going against a Pac-12 team. We need someone to step up. My son didn't just step up. She scored 16 points in a row. And when it ended and they won, um, I can't even count the amount of tweets and DMs and messages that I got from people that were like, Maya Sellen, SDSU's GOAT, or is Maya Sellen the GOAT now? Maya Sellen, Macy Miller, who you got, that kind of thing. And I think that's that's a fair assessment. I mean, she's she's been one of the greats, you know, it She's been hurt so much throughout her career, you know, that's kind of diminished her ability at times to realize, I think, her full potential. But you go back to she was on the Sweet 16 team. I think she was a sophomore that year. She's a two-time conference player of the year. She's a former Summit League scoring champion, a WNIT MVP. She's accomplished so much. But now here it's her final year. This is it. Uh, to put the team on her back like that to win an NCAA tournament game. I know it wasn't to get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, but when you're a Summit League team winning an NCAA tournament game, period, that's a big deal. And they won it because of her. I mean, yeah. she put the team on her back, as the cliche goes. And as is Maya Sellen's always been her MO, she wanted nothing to do with any conversation about that after the game, talking about how great she had done or her individual performance. I just She wouldn't even go there when people tried to ask her about, you know, how did you take over the game like that? We, we literally had to rely on AJ and teammates 
<laughs> you know, for, yeah, for quotes got, she, about what happened. She just was like, nope, uh, it was a team win. Everybody contributed, blah, blah. No, they didn't. Yeah. Everyone did not contribute. Well, you scored 16 points in a row. Didn't it was she you. credit AJ for dialing up the plays she for did. her? She did. She did. Yeah. So I'll give her that. But, I mean, she kept saying, like, well, everybody made plays. And everybody, of course, it, it, yes, it's always a team win. But, I mean, and I'm, and I'm not criticizing Maya for not taking the credit. But, I mean, just, like, that was one of those instances where, the alpha on your team says, "All right, get out of the way. I'm going to yeah. do this," and that's what she did. Well, and apparently, maybe, and I, uh, we don't know. According to her, AJ had something to do with that. Maybe AJ realized this is going to be the way we're going to win. We're mm -hmm. just going to clear everything out for Maya, and we'll call some plays for her, and mm -hmm. she'll get us home. Um, and you skipped right ahead to what my next question was going to be after this 62-57 overtime win over USC. On the yeah, yeah, I mean, is there, is there anybody else? But first of all, it sounds like it is between her and Macy Miller, and she's number is she number two behind Macy Miller? Is Macy Miller in the all-time? Yes, yes, in scoring. Yes. But she's the only, uh, as you pointed out in your story, at SiouxFallsLive.com, she's the uh, – She's the second all-time leading scorer behind Macy. Only SDSU player, top 10 in career points, rebounds, and assists. So here is how I would, this is very layman, uh, look at it. Because uh, you've always referred to Macy Miller as the Michael Jordan of SDSU. Mm -hmm. Maybe Maya Sullen's a little bit like the LeBron. And you can go ahead and have that mm -hmm. discussion in the sense of a more complete player. A big, right. bigger body and a more complete player, more... More danger around the rim, um, but still can pass and still can obviously score and be the alpha when it is called upon. And I've always thought that MJ LeBron discussion is it's fun, and I've heard people do it a million times. Uh -huh. It's to me, it's it's tough because there's there there's two different players, two different roles, two different ways of the way they became great. Um, anyway. So I don't necessarily say you got to argue between Macy versus Maya, but I mean, and there's other ones on the list, you know, going back to the D2 era and then, you know, the gen work and teens and probably some other. I mean, Madison Giebert probably belongs in that discussion somewhere, too. She's a little bit more one dimensional would be incorrect. Madison was not a one dimensional player, but her shooting was so, you know, um, what made up largely what made her such a great player. I think it's between Macy and or, uh Maya and uh, Macy Miller, um, and boy, that's a tough one. Yeah, um, Macy sort of had this. I mean, they're both South Dakota kids too, so you don't even have the, you know, where that can be the tiebreaker sort of. Macy or always sort of felt like this ordained, you know, sort of the queen of South Dakota basketball. But yeah. I mean, Maya's the same, the exact same kind of player, you know. Yeah, was a, a high school star as I think at least an eighth grader, if not a seventh grader, and. One state championships with Sanborn Central and uh, comes from a basketball family, you know, a very self-made player who could have gone to the Power Five level and chose to play at SDSU. I mean, they're very, very similar. You mentioned they're, si they're the same size. They're both six feet. Oh, okay. Um, Maya played a little more in the in the front court. You know, I guess that's Macy, what I meant. Macy's more of a point guard. Yes. Um, but Maya played point guard sometimes. Sure. Know, but she, that was what made Maya so special. She could basically play all five positions yeah. on the floor. And that was the, that's the LeBron thing, too. Right. Not that MJ wasn't. I was going to say, you know, Michael Jordan had some 32, 8, and 8 seasons, so yeah, it's not like absolutely. he was one-dimensional either. No. Um, boy, I don't know. I mean, and the, I always – you know, like when we had the discussions of comparing uh, SDSU's Sweet 16 team to USD's Sweet 16 team or or prior goods, it's like, well, you know, I always felt like maybe Macy Miller was the tiebreaker because she just had this, that it factor that mm -hmm. she could take over a game. She could 
get a basket when you needed one. But that's what Maya Selen literally just did to win that NCAA tournament. So I don't know how you favor one over the other. I mean, it's – I don't know. Yeah. You could make a really, really good case for both of them. We don't have to. We, we, don't, yeah. have, we, yeah. don't, we don't figure it is our job that we have to take a side on that. Uh, by the way, USC's coach, Lizzie Gottlieb, Lindsey Gottlieb said, Selen is a pro, a terrific player, scores at all three levels – Got to her spots and made big shots, but I think when she says she's a pro, I don't. Do you think she means like she's a pro at the college level, or like she could be a WNBA I think she means player? She has at WNBA potential. I yeah, think that's what she means. Uh, which, by the way, you know, we can't, we kind of thought of Hannah Shervin at the end of USD's run, especially when they were in the Sweet 16, and that's a perfect transition uh, to, to get a sense of how good of a coach Don Plitzewhite is. You could look at the resume. Obviously, she becomes the head coach at the University of Minnesota. Uh, it's considered a slam dunk hire by those who cover prep basketball in that state, mm -hmm. looking at how important it is for both men's and women's hoops at Minnesota to be better at, at retaining the best players in the state at the U. But in a Star Tribune story, they got a hold of Hannah Shervin, who's from Rogers. She's from the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And most people know Hannah's story. She started at New Mexico, transferred to USD, and... Um, Eventually, of course, was a Summit League Player of the Year and drafted by the Lynx. And she said, I was more like a D2 player. And Don turned me into a D1 player. And uh, so there's the player development aspect of Don Plitzewhite. Also, Shervin said, and I'm paraphrasing, that Don walks the line between pushing players to their limit and remaining firmly in their corner. The mm -hmm. perfect balance of being tough, but mm -hmm. also I got mm -hmm. your back. So those are just kind of the two insights into Don that go well beyond her resume. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting that Strib got a hold of H Hannah Shervin to give the player's point of view of why Don's a coach worthy of the University of Minnesota. But we had uh, the Don Plitzewhite discussion last week, and we didn't mm -hmm. think that was a – we know she's qualified for that job, and right. she's ready for a Big Ten yeah, job. Yeah, I didn't think she'd but go. But we thought, like, is that a good job? Is that much better than West Virginia, even though it is a lot closer to home? I still don't think it's necessarily a, a better job, um, but it sounds like it was – you know, the chance to be closer to home was was the main driver of it. Someone asked me literally the day, the same day it was announced, like, you think Dawn's going to go to Minnesota? I was like, no. I just, not that she's not qualified or not that they wouldn't want her. Absolutely. Both of those things are true. Yeah. But just, is she going to bail on West Virginia after one season? She just took him to the NCAA tournament. Yep. They were playing in the tournament that day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't think she would. Yeah. I didn't think she would leave after one year. Uh, to be clear, I'm not criticizing her for doing it either. I know a lot of people are. Um, you could say everything you want about, you know, where's the loyalty, blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, come on, man. She's from around Timing. here. Yeah, AJ's still here. I think her husband still lives here. I, you know, I don't want to get too involved in people's personal business, but West Virginia's a long ways away. Yeah. You know? Yes. She can come back here. Uh, and, and, yeah, maybe maybe Minnesota is a better program. I, I don't know. If it is, it's not by a lot. I mean, we're talking ACC versus Big Ten. Salary's pretty similar. Facilities are probably pretty similar. You know, I don't know. I don't think – I think it is a largely lateral move professionally. But from a personal standpoint, that's what this is about. You, know, you saw the statement that West Virginia's athletic director put out, which felt very much like he needed to do some damage control because West Virginia fans were pissed off. Like, what the fuck? We, we just bring this – woman in she takes us to the ncaa tournament her first year and leaves what's going on he put out a statement kind of saying look this was about family and not about we have a shitty program this isn't personal towards us relax we'll find a new coach and yeah he could have been 
trying to damage control or whatever. But I think that's probably true. You know, I, I don't think it's fair if people to jump down Dawn's throat or say that she's, you know, being a job hopper or that she it was, you know, that she did West Virginia dirty. I don't think that's fair. She said in her press conference, timing. I mean, she gave all the she gave all the family and close mm -hmm. by reasons the chance to coach in the Big Ten. Remember, she was uh, an associate head coach at Michigan, right? And when Michigan was pretty good yeah. uh, back in the aughts. Uh, so she, there's, she grew up in Wisconsin. There's reverence for the Big Ten, and that means mm -hmm. something to mm -hmm. her. So uh, to address some of your points, first of all, she was making 550 at West Virginia. She gets 800 at Minnesota. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. So it's a big pay Holy raise. Holy shit, her. that's a big old salary so, for a women's coach. Yeah. So in 365 days, basically, she went from making 275 at USD. Well, that, that I mean, so there, there, I mean, money's always a good starter for any of this. Uh, I thought I'd heard that it was like just a nominal raise, that it was like six hundred something. Uh, it's according eight hundred, uh, six yeah. years, eight hundred thousand. Well, okay, a year. so I just want to throw in there to all the Jacks fans that said, "Why would AJ want to coach the Gophers for eight hundred thousand dollars?" That's why. <laughs> and maybe he wouldn't have been as expensive because he would be going from SDSU to Minnesota. Don was going from West he Virginia. He would have taken it if they offered it. Uh, yeah. Probably yes. Um, and by the way, the Gophers paid her three hundred eighty thousand dollar buyout. buyout yeah. The AD you speak of was not the AD who hired her. The AD who hired her got fired at the start of the season. Oh, so there might have been a little bit of trepidation uh, on her part. another reason for her to make yes. the move, yeah. Uh, and so here's some other ones. Jay Elson had a had a great tweet the night, the night this happened because somebody asked him, whoa, what's so much better about the Minnesota job than West Virginia? And Jay's, Jay gave a like a seven-point response. Chance to coach in the Big Ten. Uh, Pre-established recruiting connections. I think right. that's. I mean, yeah. and and to that point, location is better. It's in Minneapolis has its challenges. You're a college team in a pro sports town, yeah. uh, which I don't think is as big of a deal for women's hoops as it is for the men's team when you have an NBA team in town and the well, Vikings. But the, and the campus twins. doesn't feel like a campus either. That's the other thing. Like, but even when the facilities are nice, it's. Yeah, not the same as you know. Any, anyway, sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Uh, you're right, and it's but it's an easier sell than Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah. Morgantown, West Virginia is in the middle of nowhere. Um, as a coach, you probably have to travel the greater links to find players. Whereas Don now, and she already has the pre-established recruiting connections in the Twin mm -hmm. Cities, in mm -hmm. the state of Minnesota, in Wisconsin, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Northwest Iowa. Probably, she's uh, and apparently, she uh, according to the Star Tribune. Uh, she she before her press conference, which I believe was on Sunday, she comes into Minneapolis. She has the meeting with the Gopher players, and th this story from the Star Tribune was written. I probably right after the press conference, but word was she went straight to the girls' state tournament, which was right next, which was in the Williams Arena. It was right there on campus, uh, and then. Um, she reached out to local AAU program leaders, including FaceTiming with uh, the director of a, a prominent AAU team who was in Rome. She FaceTimed with a guy in Rome like because Rome, she, because, yeah, Rome, Italy, <laughs> a guy who was on vacation in Rome. But it was that important to her that, like, this is one of the people I needed to talk to that she probably already had a connection with to start hitting the trail day one, literally after. Uh, but this was even before her introductory press conference. So, I mean, that's Dawn. I mean, we all know she's a, a mover and a shaker, and uh, she, yeah. And so that's, and, and a prep hoops analyst in Minnesota says it's a slam dunk hire. She's a well-respected coach in the basketball community in the Twin Cities. So, uh, so I appreciate Jay Elson and uh, Coyote Eric also uh, illuminated me to the, 
to the Strib article that unveiled the finances. And so now maybe her t- – the hire always made sense. Her taking the job now probably makes <coughs> a lot more sense. And, of course, then uh, there was an SDSU fan who tweeted at me uh, in my one tweet about Don to the Gophers. He said, good, well, now we can keep A.J. now that he's out of that mix. And I thought, you really think A.J. was in the mix? We all think he may – we've all thought the last two go-rounds, maybe even the last three times the Gophers have hired a new head coach, that A.J.'s already accomplished enough and he's from there. And so I, I got a hold of – a sports reporter in the Twin Cities who always is Doogie. He's the scoop man, Doogie uh, Wolfson from KSTP. And I said, was A.J. Was AJ, uh, was Aaron Johnston ever in the mix? And he said, no, they were never going to hire a man. Same thing we always say. Mm-hmm. Like He's like, they were never going to hire a man for this job. So I'm sorry, Jax. And that's, again, not that he's not good enough, but J- Jax fans, he wasn't, he wasn't in the mix. He wasn't in the mix for this job. Oh, well, I kept hearing from Jax fans that he wasn't in the mix because he would never leave South Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, you don't want to go on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I looked. I, then I looked it up today. I just Googled like op- openings in college basketball. Like, is he? Is there any other jobs out there for him? As far as I could tell, after scouring, uh, there's two like big conference jobs that are still like available. I don't know. I don't think AJ would do a Scott and Aggie and do a lateral move to right, another right. mid-major, you know. I do think uh, and it would take a lot for I don't think he's just going to move for it, move for the sake of moving. It felt yeah. like Minnesota was has always been like the job he'd move for or the top job he'd move for. Pitt and Michigan State right now. Those are the two like power 5 schools that have women's basketball openings. Pitt Close. and Michigan State. Those would both be interesting. Uh, yeah, Michigan State would be. I mean, that's a it's a great Big Ten's a great women's conference. He could be reunited with Chris Solari. <laughs> <laughs> Only you would think about that. <laughs> so there's that, and then there's the. Uh, but you know, I, I would say, what are the? Uh, I, I, who knows what the odds are that AJ's up for either of those jobs? I have no. I don't know. No idea. But the, I don't think. I, I, you know, those appear I to be the only two jobs he'd leave for right now. Probably. Yeah. I mean, he may very well retire as a South Dakota State coach because it's not just the University of Minnesota that is wants to hire women. They may be more more uh, committed to sticking to that than the other coach. But just in general, that's sort of the, the, the climate we're in right now. Most programs would prefer to hire a woman to coach their women's teams now. Now, the University of Minnesota appears to be absolutely hell-bent on it, like, you know, almost to spite themselves if they had to. Not that they did that in this case. They didn't. But he's always going to face an uphill battle, whether he's applying for a job in, you know, the Pac-10, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, or he wants to go back to Division Two. I mean, it's just, you know, that's always going to be a strike against him in our current climate. And that might work to South Dakota State's benefit where he'll end up retiring there. You know, it's interesting in the college. And that's g- not, the, not to cut you off, but that's no. not the worst thing in the world. He's making, what, 275 yeah. grand to coach the Jacks. He has... I mean, he can roll out of bed and win the Summit League year after year after year. Worst case scenario, they're going to be, you know, one of the top two teams in their conference every single year. They're always going to be at least in the WNIT and probably in the NCAA tournament. He's going to retire with a million wins and a million NCAA tournament appearances. We've talked about it, you and I, me and other people in the media have talked about it. How much further can he take South Dakota State? I don't know. There's always going to be a ceiling on a mid-major program. I don't think he can win a national championship at South Dakota State. I just think that's that's too big of a mountain to climb when you're talking about the Yukons, the South Carolinas. 
but could they play for a, an Elite Eight, a Final Four? I mean, USD almost made the Elite Eight last year. Well, th and yeah. they beat a number two seed. So, I mean, if you can do that. And we just said the Jacks are good enough. They could have beat Virginia Tech at Riverwood seat. So, I don't know. Well, you know. That, well, that, you said it. That's the next thing is, like, the the Yotes didn't quite get to the Elite Eight. They almost did. So, mm -hmm. they're, they're, that's, I guess, the next golden goose I was going to say, that's the next frontier because yeah. they've both been to the Sweet 16 now. Uh, but, but you're right. It's interesting because he's still 48. This is the age where some coaches are still getting their first head job. Yeah. Or they've only had a he been a head coach for yeah, five Kalen years. Yeah, Caleb DeBoer's 48, and he's considered this young, up-and-coming yeah. college football coach. And yet it feels like AJ he's, feels like he's a geezer. And he's he's been there forever. And, yeah. And he could retire tomorrow and probably be comfortable financially and with everything he accomplished. And so, yeah, he's got a great gig. That's the great thing for him is he doesn't need – it'd be great to have any of these gigs. He doesn't need them. You right. know. I mean, right. it's um, – so there's, uh, there's that. And then there's Augustana's job. You, uh, I, I, it's like a Christmas present, the Matt Zimmer coaching list article. Whenever there's an opening at any of these local uh, People jobs. eat them up. They do insane traffic. <laughs> That's why I do them. Do they really? Yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Yeah. E even for the Dave Krauth yep. Augie women's? Yep. Wow. My boss – not my boss. One of my coworkers technically, like, hey, your Augie story is doing really, really good. I was like, I know. I haven't even looked, and I know. Like, they just – yeah, that's – people eat that shit up. Yeah. Well, you gave me you gave me a nice flashback to when I was 10 years old in 1989 with your reference to Bobby Brown and Paula <laughs> Abdul, Phil Collins, and Debbie Gibson. It's my prerogative. That's right. That's right. That was – I could do what that, I want That was playing do. as I was driving in here to the uh, Gateway Lounge, actually. Um, so, what an interesting job. Um because we could talk about the candidates right now, but we could start with the job, which you wrote about, SiouxFallsLive.com. It probably is more attractive than most D2 jobs. And it's not just because Augustana, private college, it's in Sioux Falls where they play the conference tournament, or uh, mm -hmm. it's um, they play at the Pentagon, which is a better venue than most of these schools play in, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's There's... I don't know if this works for or against Augustana. They may or may not go to Division One in basketball. Right. right. Uh, and it's hard to tell, like, if they know they will or not. Because, as you mentioned, the Summit League is constantly in flux. Mm -hmm. And teams leave, and they usually replace teams that leave. And it feels like Augustana might be next. But it did a couple of years ago, and they weren't. But there was nobody leaving at that time. Yeah, no. True. And they like their even number of teams, right? Right. right. And I don't was know asking who, a lot to add Augustana as an 11th team. And who would leave here? Oral Roberts or Denver, most likely? Uh, Western Illinois could. Uh, um, yeah, shit, they, they could drop athletics. They feel like know, an drop outlier. Division two, drop Division three. Yeah. Uh, Denver could decide that they're sick of. I mean, Omaha wants out, and I don't know why. Um, Where would they go? The Missouri no, Valley. They they tried to get into. I think it was the Missouri Valley, and literally got laughed at. I mean, they're you know. Omaha to me is, you know, I don't want to shit on anyone too hard, but, I, you know, they're not good at anything right now, really. They they cut their two best programs to go Division One, and now they're bad at basketball, the, the only sport that really matters when you're a mid-major. How are they at hockey? I don't know. I don't I, know, I mean, and I don't years shit. I, the yeah. few, well, that's, but they do. That was their thing. Right, that's what they're doing. Is the, yeah. yeah, they're a hockey school. And the, Which is what Augustana's doing. Right, they're really good at baseball, but, you know, that doesn't move the needle. No, um, no. Yeah, I, you know, so, so so maybe Omaha would love to be in like the, the the Missouri Valley, sure. But I mean, yeah, people in Omaha don't give a shit about Omaha. So, so who knows? Problem. I mean, Denver kind of feels like an outlier. If as they well. could get into like the WAC, 
you know, or something. The Mountain West, well, that'd be a pretty big step up. But they can't be crazy about being in the summit. No, Denver well, the summit has talked about trying to get another school out west to sort of appease Denver to keep them around, like maybe a Northern Colorado, say. But okay, mm. um, North Northern Colorado seems happy where they are. So. so, so that's the interesting thing about the Augustana job is what does Josh Morton know about the future of the athletic department and right. basketball? How and what is, is he, he telling this these job? And what the, is he telling these well, let's coaches? Just, um, let's just use. Uh, Mandy Pearson as an example. She's the coach of Minnesota Duluth. They just won yesterday. They're playing in the national championship in Division Two, in Dallas in a week. Um, that would be a great candidate. She should be their top priority. Now, normally, it'd be like, why the hell would Mandy Pearson want to go from Duluth to Augustana? It's at best a lateral move. They're in the same conference, Division Two. Duluth's a good job. You're near the Twin Cities. You're in a beautiful city. They've got good facilities. They invest in their program. There's no reason to leave Duluth to go to Augustana necessarily, unless you do think Sioux Falls is maybe a little bit better city than Duluth. You could make the argument. You could, or they pay you more money. It. Pay more, but I don't know if if Augie's got that kind of budget. I don't Neither. know what she's making at Duluth. Um, but if you're Augustana, you could you could call Mandy Pierce and go, Hey, you want to come coach? Why do I do that? I'm about to win a national championship at a team in your conference. But screw you, I don't want to talk to you. Well, hey, we're going to be Division One in a few years, and then you're going to be making more money and having a bigger staff and bigger resources. And oh, chance to coach in the NCAA tournament, right? And you can win your conference tournament right here in Sioux right. Falls. Look how shitty the Summit League is outside no of kidding. South Dakota State and <laughs> <Yeah>. USD. You'll <laughs> immediately be the third best team in the yeah. conference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, there is something t to pitch there. It's just that if I'm Mandy Pearson and I'm getting that pitch, I'm going, is this for real? Are you actually going to do those things? Because you said it five, six years ago, and you're still in the NSIC and talking about starting your hockey team. And I'm already at a school that has D1 hockey and separates everything else. So I have no idea. I, I mean, that's a tough spot for Josh to be in, and maybe if we had him here, he would just straight up tell us, well, yeah, we're – we're pitching, and my guess is they're probably, if they're trying to be at all transparent or fair to any candidates, they're probably telling them, for right now, we're Division Two. Yeah, That's all we can tell you. Do we have interest in moving Division One at some day, some point? Yes, we do. But for right now, you would be coming to a Division Two college. And that would probably eliminate somebody like Mandy Pearson. I mean, after it, what she's done this year, she should be getting offers all over. I, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, maybe from Michigan State or uh, Right. Pitt. I mean, probably not, but, uh, but at, le at the very least at the <laughs> mid-major level, yeah. Some of your other candidates are you know, coming from lower levels like Lori Kelly of Gustavus, Kim Wagers of Concordia, Division Three in the Twin Cities. Uh, UN, you have UNK's coach, right? Carrie, Carrie Amy. Amy. I really well, like her. I that's think Division she's a good two. candidate. And why, uh, why is that? Because she's kicking ass there. Yeah. I mean, and that's not necessarily a great – Nebraska Kearney, that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It is. In the, it's literally yeah. in the middle of Nebraska. That's yeah. the middle of nowhere. I think she'd be a great candidate. Yeah. Uh, and you've mentioned – look, the, the the candidate I think – I don't know about you. I won't speak for you. The candidate I'd love to see get it that I think is damn well qualified to get it is Katie Bork. She's right there. Mm -hmm. She's been – she – how does Katie Bork know how – she knows how to win at Augustana. She's been right there for it. She's been a major part of it mm -hmm. for 11 years next mm -hmm. to Dave Crowth. So she knows the, uh, the interesting, uh, weird spot that Augustana is in that we just talked about. Uh, she's played a heavy part in recruiting and game planning, as you have mentioned. But do I think she's going? Again, you can remark about this if she deserves it. Is she? I, I'd love to. I'd be happy for her, and I think she could do well. I think she deserves the opportunity. But this is since Augustana is in that weird little place where they might go Division One, and you have an athletic director who has been there for a few years. He's he has 
scored them Division One hockey, mm-hmm. and he might be he just might be thinking of bigger things and brighter lights than I've hiring the loyal assistant. I've been told that Katie Bork's not going to get the job. Yeah, that's too bad. No. That's and just because Josh is going to want to hire a proven head coach, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, one name I didn't include in this list, and a bunch of people immediately asked about him, was Mike Jewett, who was SDSU's assistant top assistant under AJ until just a couple years ago. He stepped down to be the athletic director of Brookings. Uh, His daughter's on the team right now at Augustana. And there was a time when Mike was at SDSU as AJ's top assistant that I, that was my understanding that whenever Krauth retired, that Mike was going to be the guy. He had previously, he had previously been Dave's assistant at Augie and he left Augie to be the head coach at Southwest Minnesota state so he's been a head coach in Division Two in the NSIC. Then he went to SDSU and was AJ's top assistant, went to a bunch of NCAA tournaments. I think his last year on the job might have been the year they went to the Sweet 16. Um, so he's got everything on the resume, uh, but now he's been out of coaching for two or three years. So I just kind of assumed when he left the coaching profession to be a high school athletic director. You need another beer? No, I'm good. Okay. And he's been out for two or three years now. To me, that says, okay, you're not going to be a candidate anymore, being out for two or three years. And also, he's another old white guy. You're going to replace an old, a old white guy with another old white mm. guy? So I just kind of assumed that, that that wouldn't happen. But I don't know. Maybe it will. And, you know, I like Mike Jewett. He's a good dude, and I don't have any doubt that he would uh, probably do a good job. But I don't know how that hire would be received. I mean, a guy yeah. who's been out of the business for a few years, and, you know, this seems like a chance to – to bring someone in who's a little more dynamic, maybe to bring in a woman, frankly. I mean, you've had a man coaching that team for 35 years, you know? I mean, I'd love to see Chelsea Stoltenberg get the job, the former Chelsea DeVille, and I'm biased because I love Chelsea. But she was the first name in your story. Yeah, that that was just that was completely random. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, she was a great player there. Everyone loves her. You know, she's done a really nice job at Bemidji State. I know her record there isn't very good. It's terrible. But that was a really tough job yeah. that she took over. Uh, they love her up there. Um, she knows this area. I mean, she's, you know, from Watertown. Uh, I kind of hope it's her selfishly. Yeah. Um, I, but I really have no idea. Um, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be Mike Jewett. Maybe it'll be Chelsea. Maybe it'll be someone we've never heard of. Well, you mentioned know. Emily. Is it Thies from I believe Mankato? it's pronounced Teasy. Teasy. Amy Williams' sister. Yeah. From Spearfish, uh, South Dakota State assistant, three years at Drake. Uh, and She'd yeah, be a slam dunk if she wanted it. Yeah, she's got Mankato. I don't think Mankato, if you're, if you're just strictly talking right now where they're at, Division Two and in the NSIC, I'm not, I'm not saying Mankato's a way better job, but I think it's probably a better I job. I mean, the, that's probably the top overall program in the NSIC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's just uh, you're, clo- you're, you're close to the Twin Cities. It's yeah. easy to recruit there, and it's big Again, state if budget. you were going to get her, it would probably be – with the pitch that we're a few years away from being Division One, You mentioned Carissa Thielbar, SDSU's top assistant. Uh, well, that, see, that's the thing. If you're going to hire an SDSU assistant, why wouldn't you hire Carissa? You know, I mean, she's younger. She's a woman. She's been there recently, as in right now. Uh, and, and her husband is the pitching coach at Augustana. I mean, not technically anymore. And that would seem, you know, but sometimes it's these things. And, again, I don't know what Josh Morton is thinking, but if you're making a – What's considered a big hire because it's one of your three big, well, four big sports now at Augustana when you add a hockey in there. The, you know, sometimes it's a, a huge hire for him. The same, the, sometimes the longer it takes for you to explain something, 
the harder you know the harder it is for people to get on board. Yeah. It's not hard to explain. SDSU's top assistant. Right. There's no like. There's not going to be anybody that's going to be. Well, she's not qualified. Mm-hmm. Why are you hiring her? I mean, okay, no head coaching experience, but other than that, mm-hmm. well, everybody knows what South Dakota State is, and mm-hmm. and and but so again, I've you know, yeah. I have no idea if Chris is interested either. Yeah. And you mentioned Lori Kelly. That'd be a tough one to explain. Like, she, okay, you're getting a Stavis's coach, a Division three school. Well, she's but been she, a D1 and D2 coach at, at Northern Arizona. You've met she's the all-time winningest coach at Northern Arizona. She's a little older, but yeah, you know, and she has the track record. She just went 26 and three in back-to-back years. But again, there's a little bit of explaining to do. But so anyway, and then uh, we've we and we haven't even mentioned Travis Hap, Traphagen, which mm-hmm. I think you kind of wrote like. Ten years ago, yeah. There, who else would they hire? Right, he kind of would have been the slam dunk. Yeah. But now you combine everything you've been saying about these other people and go, well, he's not a man. He's not a woman, and he's not. I can't believe I'm saying this about Trap, but he's not that young anymore. Trap's always <laughs> been a young guy to right, me. Right, you right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's always. And he's been, coming off a bad year. Not that I don't know how I don't much think that anybody means. would care. Yeah. Nobody should yeah. care. Right. Because largely, three out of every four years there. At USF I have no doubt that if Trap was hired as Augustana's coach. If Trap was hired at anywhere in the Summit League, he'd win. Yeah, he's a really good coach. He is, and yeah. he's a great recruiter as yes. well. He's recruiting. He knows his shit. Yeah, that's the best thing I can say about Trap. Like, yeah, there is nothing that gets by him. Nope. He is all women's basketball all the time. Yeah, he would win wherever he went. Yeah, no, he, I mean th- that would be a slam dunk hire. But is it going to be the hire simply because I don't a, think so. He's and and why? Because he's a man. I, I just think that the 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 shine has worn off a little bit. I guess I don't know. Like. That makes it sound like that it's his fault, and I don't mean it that way. I mean more just like he's been a cougar for 12 years or whatever it's been, you yeah. know? Like, I don't think he – like, for a long time it felt like, well, he's one of us, sort of from the Augustana yeah. standpoint. He's yeah. one of us. He's not anymore. He's yeah. cool. He's purple. Yep. It's true. Although uh, maybe more money would – maybe if they gave him know. more money. I don't know. All right. So there's that. That's fun. We're – um, you want to get to – boy, I don't know. The, 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 the state tournament venue thing – I almost might have to encourage people to go back and listen to our episode from last year. Yeah. Um, you know, because how much more time do you got? I, I, we can wrap this up anytime. I'm ready to go back. To, <laughs> I'm ready to go home. You're ready to get out of here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we're not going to have a podcast next week. I'll be in California. I'll be oh, on no. vacation. I'm gonna, well, <laughs> oh, oh, boy, you're so disappointed, aren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just it, it's almost too big of a topic to just slip it in there. Uh, well, but I think you know, but I agree with but you. But we, it's a popular we, topic every year. Well, but I was gonna say I agree with you. I think we really dove into it last year, and I think uh, I got a ton of positive feedback from what we said about it last year. I did too. In that we came at it, I think, from a very objective sort of like here's this side, yes. and here's this side, yeah. and neither one of them are wrong. Right. Both sides have some really good points. But when that's the case, you usually stay status quo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Oh, yeah. I can talk until I'm blue in the face about how the kid, the Class B kids need to experience the Premier Center. And that, that's not even my opinion. I'm just saying I could say that. And I don't think anyone's really buying that. Yeah. I don't get the sense anyone in Class B is like, boy, I sure wish I could play in the Premier Center once. No, who knows? If they did, maybe they'd be like, hey, that was actually pretty awesome. Yes. But what they've got going in Aberdeen and the Barnett Center and all that, fine. If that's if that's what what's your whistle or however you want to say it, they're that in love with it. And part of it is people like Ryan Deal, who I don't – and I like Ryan Deal, but he's not being objective. You know, he's very much like, this is my thing and I'm trying to protect it. Like, when people like that are pushing that that hard – 
fine. If it means that much to you, okay. Well, you can it's, have it. okay. it's the Charlton Heston National Rifle Association. You're, you're not going to take this gun from my right. cold, dead right. hands. Right. right. And actually, that's going to be my that was going to be my little point is instead of having the whole at large discussion, the status quo versus lumping everybody, both boys and girls, into one city for a whole weekend. Um, the spreading the wealth, how I think it's just hilarious that South Dakota politically, right. a majority of the people here are anti-socialism, but the, the way these state championships are done and defended and held on to but is the most socialist thing ever. But it still Every does town has to it, get its It still does wealth. play into the conservatism, though, yeah. because what it comes down to is this is the way we've always done it. Craig, Craig Maddock. Yes. Craig Ma and Matt is a very conservative my, attitude. My favorite line from Craig Maddock ever, South Dakota's state slogan it is not or should not be great faces, great places. South Dakota's state motto is, we've always done it that way. Right. And right. Uh, and so I get it, and it's, it's not a whole lot to fight. I mean, I wrote down a bunch of models. Zach Borg has said in the past, give Watertown and Huron and Aberdeen and, and, these, and the, the occasional spearfish, and I think in the past there's been occasional Yankton and Brookings, give them a sweet 16s and elite 8s. Give them... Give them a give them a couple rounds and a bunch of games when you're talking Sweet 16 I don't Elite Eights, and then have Final Fours all in one venue. No. Th there's one suggestion uh, for me. You don't want the Sioux Falls schools having to go somewhere else to play their Sweet 16 games. True. I, well, I think for the I think for the Double A's they would be in Rapid City. They would still be in Rapid that's City in Sioux Falls. Um, um, but it, so it, there, th that's just one proposed model. The other one is because the other one is. Uh, you have three classes, obviously. It should be easier to do in Sioux Falls and Rapid City than all these other states that do it in, like Lincoln. Nebraska has six classes, and yet both boys and girls, back-to-back -back weeks, everything's in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. uh, and most, a lot of states in the union are like that, not every state. For me, I look at it as, do the Class A girls uh, crowd, do, are they... Are they wrapping their, are they wrapping their whole souls and arms around? We've got to be in Watertown, or we've got to be in Huron, or we've got to. No, it's the, the only chorus of we've got to keep these things in a town in a city like Aberdeen is Class B boys. B boys. Yeah. that's it. Class B girls. Okay, that I can speak from experience. Now, it was in Huron, in the Huron Arena, which seats about five or six thousand. It was an. We showed up. I showed up on Saturday night for the third place game, and there were three thousand people. Mm -hmm. And of course, the whole entire arena is just all these people from all these small towns. Mm -hmm. And they've by after two days, they've almost seen every team, and they were engaged in the third place game. I couldn't believe it because I wasn't. I didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But and then the championship game, holy smokes! I mean, again, this place was about two thirds full. It felt big for these kids, and and. It was a worthy venue and atmosphere. The Pentagon was awesome and is awesome, too, for the AA girls. And I had just been there. But then you have to go outside of the Huron Arena, and these kids, like, you don't think about this stuff like, half the fans have to stay in Mitchell, mm -hmm. or they can't stay. Like, there's not enough hotel rooms in Huron for mm -hmm. eight teams, mm -hmm. even from these tiny towns. Mm -hmm. And then uh, these, these kids, these teams, especially the ones that played the last game, they want to get food, and the only place you can get food at Huron at 10, 10 p.m. is McDonald's, and, well, everybody knows that, so it, you have to wait an hour to get your McDonald's food. Mm -hmm. That's a real problem that mm -hmm. parents and kids and coaches hate mm -hmm. to the point where we don't want our state tournament to be in Huron. So they're mm -hmm. not. And Molly Mason, the head coach of Viberg Hurley, I mean, she did a story. I did this whole story for Dakota News Now last year where she said, as somebody who grew up in Viberg and now coaches there, 
She would love to be able to have a championship Saturday in Sioux Falls where she got to watch the, just as a fan, she got to watch the B's and then the A's and the, the, the double A's. To me, it comes down to that championship Saturday. And in Huron for Class B girls, you're just watching seventh, fifth, third, and then championship game. Would you rather, if you're a Class B person, would you rather watch that or would you rather watch B's, then A's, then double A's, or mix up the order. Three, I don't know. I don't, and I don't know the answer to that. But it seems like the only people who are really staunch about keeping it the way it is are the Class B boys crowd. So my proposal is let them have it. Mm -hmm. Keep the Class B's in Aberdeen. Have everything else everything in Sioux Falls. else in Sioux Falls and Rapid City and rotate. You know, girls, boys, A's, like just have it keep Rapid City. It felt like Rapid City was losing its if it ever had any luster, it's uh -huh. pull because it, the double A's were so poorly attended the last couple trips out right. there. Is it, it better was, now because of the was, arena? It was very well attended this year. Okay. There were great crowds. Five of the teams were from the metro area, and then you had Mitchell Pier and Yankton, and especially, of course, the ESD teams brought even bigger crowds than right. the Sioux Falls schools. But uh, no one had a problem driving out to Rapid City and making that, which is, a, yeah, it's a first-class arena. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, have the Class B boys in their own thing, but... Uh, well, we'll let them do that and see how long it takes before they start going, yeah. hey, yeah. how come we don't get right. to... You know. I mean, but I, I wrote it all out, and I won't, di I won't dive into all of it. You can have all three classes. There, it, it, girls one week, boys the next week, Rapid City one week, Sioux Falls the next week. Rotate it between those two because those are the only two cities that do have the facilities mm -hmm. to handle three classes but and so there's different venues for the first two days for all these classes, but y you can find a way to still have all your consolation games because states like Nebraska. Oh my God, you're yawning. States like Nebraska. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> states like Nebraska have. They're just like, sorry, if you don't win your first round game, you're done. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, I could and do we, without you know Sunshine League and. I think people would bitch about it for a while, but eventually they'd be like, because because uh, you know. I because if you gave these coaches true serum, you know. Cause I, you know I, Consolation games in any other sport. What makes basketball so special? I don't know. Um, but, again, it, it, we've always done it that way because you have three different tournaments in three different cities. You also have three different South Dakota public broadcasting crews. They're all mm -hmm. – now they're out at the same time, mm -hmm. so they're eating mm -hmm. each other alive as mm -hmm. far as mm -hmm. attention mm -hmm. goes. Mm -hmm. But they all feel big. Like the third, the fifth and third place games feel big because for the people there, that's all there is. And for cares. and it's televised. I get it. I just and I wish I, I could give these coaches truth serum and ask them, do you really want to play three games in three days if you lose the first day? Because in a state Nebraska, they do get they do have a third place game for and they usually do it in a venue not at the championship mm -hmm. Saturday mm -hmm. venue. Uh, but okay, go ahead, go ahead and go ahead and play at some high school in Lincoln for third place. Right. It, but they do not do uh, consolation semifinals. They do not do seventh and fifth place games. You know, is it nice again as a parent if our and our daughter's team won the state title? Would it have been cool that they get to play a couple more days? Well, if you're driving, get all, I, I get it. It's like, geez, we're driving six hours. Might as well make it more worth our time than yeah. we lose on Thursday and just turn around and go back. You get, but, everybody gets. But then a you're chance also saving money on not having the extra two nights in a hotel and all yeah. that other stuff. Yeah. All right. That's it. Okay. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.